This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it is 6am on Thursday, the 29th of September. Good morning, you are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Chong Jen Sun. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good morning. Thursday. We just Friday made it. is just a day away. I like your optimism, Jen Sun. Hang in there, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> You're channeling your own inner thoughts, is Yes, it? I am. <laughs> Indeed, indeed, it's Friday, Junior, the weekend not too far off. Uh, but don't worry, we've got a lot of good conversations to keep you company throughout the day and into the weekend. Uh, beginning at 7.15 later, we're asking the question, why has the Selangwa State Government given approval for quarry mining in the Bukit Lagong Forest Reserve? We're going to be speaking to forestry researcher Lim Tech Win about why this report, uh, this Malaysia Kini report, should ring alarm bells. And at 7.30... Crown Prince Muhammad bin Salman has been named as the Prime Minister of the country, officially putting him as head of government. So we discussed the rehabilitation of his controversial image with Middle East expert Dr. James Dorsey. The timing of this is quite suspect, isn't it? Yes, just in time uh, before a lawsuit pending in the United States. Interesting, right? Uh, meanwhile, at 7.45, what incentives do automotive players want from Budget 2023? We speak to Dato Aisha Ahmad of the Malaysian Automotive Association for their wish list, which is a part of our continuing series that we're going to have right up to October 7 when Budget is tabled. We're going to have all this and more today on The Morning Run, so stay with us, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you are listening to The Morning Run, 6.07 a.m. on Thursday, the 29th of September. That was Brian Wilson with You've Got a Friend in Me. Before that, we also heard Queen uh, with Killer Queen. And um, yeah, that's how we're kickstarting off our Thursday morning. And we are taking a look at what we do at night. And that's dreaming, sleeping and dreaming. How much do you take stock of your dreams? Because a recent study by the University of Birmingham reveals that they could be a key indicator of brain health. So this study has revealed that the recurrence of nightmares when you're an adult could be linked with an increased risk in developing dementia. So Jensen, why don't you walk us through some of the findings? Um, yeah, actually, um, maybe to just deviate a bit, I actually did some further digging and nightmares are also caused by a variety of other factors and underlying disorders. Uh, some people have nightmares after having a late night snack, which can increase metabolism and signal the brain to be more active. And drugs that act on chemicals in the brain, such as antidepressants, narcotics, or even high blood pressure medicines are often associated with nightmares. But for me, my recurrent nightmare, which I had for years, which has since gone away, is thinking I haven't passed a certain professional exam. <laughs> I keep waking up in cold sweat and asking myself, why am I still doing this exam? Why am I still doing this? Yeah, but it has since gone away and I've had it for Many, many years after passing it. Let me guess, this is the off, This is the CFA, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it has scarred you that badly. Yes, it has. Which, okay, so kudos to you because it's not an easy exam to pass, Jensen. Which, which level? All three levels? Or um, just the thought of just failing it? It was, I think, level three. I'm, I'm, I keep asking myself, why am I doing this again? Surely I've passed. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that speaks to the traumatic experience of, of going through that exam, I suppose. But what do you think helped stop those nightmares? You said it lasted for years. What eventually made them go away? I think it was just time that 
yeah, I just didn't care about the exam anymore. <laughs> it didn't it didn't make a real uh, significance in my life or in my career, maybe. <laughs> well, okay, that's a good. I mean, I mean, it, it's too bad it took so long for you yeah. to get over it. But in in the end, nightmares usually they're caused by an underlying symptom, right? There's always something beneath it that's triggering it. And to get rid of nightmares or to treat nightmares is really about trying to identify what that underlying symptom is. And as you said, Jensen, sometimes it could be as simple as something you ate that didn't really sit well with you. Um, but it could also be other factors like stress or anxiety that's driving those subconscious thoughts to percolate at night and, and create these vivid imagery. Yeah, so when I think about this, you know, about whether nightmares are a precursor to dementia, uh, actually a lot of it surrounds sleep. So it's not only just the nightmares. So there is another study uh, which which is by the National Institutes of Health and it's U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Guess what? You insufficient sleep or sometimes too much sleep may also increase dementia risk. So there seems to be so much about resting and getting enough rest and the right amount of rest and the type of rest which determines whether we might get dementia later on in life, which really proves that we should pay much, much more attention to how well we sleep, how long we sleep. Uh, Those things do have some great link to our general health, which I never thought about. And it's something that I think many Malaysians or many people around the world, including myself, struggle with, right? Sleep, for some people, is elusive, is a challenge. And it starts from, you could say, a young age, I suppose. When you're in university, for example, you kind of think, oh, I can burn the midnight oil, I can stay up all night to study for that exam. And you think when you're young, you can withstand those, um, the lack of sleep. Mm, the but, sleep debt. But ultimately, it actually, you are going to pay the price perhaps further down the line if you don't rectify those sleeping patterns. Yeah, Keith uh, from BFM, he has actually been very kind. He, I think he knows I have sleep issues. So he just sent me an article this morning on how to get better sleep. And apparently Amazon has announced a new contactless gadget that can monitor people's sleep. It costs 140 US dollars and it's known as Hello Rise. It tracks room temperature, humidity and light, plus the breathing patterns of the person closest to it. Yeah, so, so you're going to order one on... Uh, I doubt well, it will help is, me. <laughs> isn't, isn't Black Friday around the corner? Perhaps so. It's, there's always an Amazon day, an Amazon Prime day on the horizon. I'm sure they're gearing up for that. But sleep is is like, it's such a lucrative industry right now. You know, I think it's really opening up possibilities, the business possibilities for this. Um, but in the end, sometimes the best... Uh, I guess steps is really just the simple ones, yeah. Making sure you don't uh, do too much screen time before bed. You know, making sure that you have a, a calm down routine before you go to sleep. You don't need to buy a hundred forty dollar gadget no. off Amazon, although I'm sure it's pretty fun to play with. Just have good sleep hygiene methods, and sometimes a journal. If you're troubled about what's going on in the day, write it down before you take an, uh, before you go to bed. Sometimes that helps me calm my mind. Tell us what you do when you're faced with recurrent nightmares. Do you have any sleep habits that have helped you get a better night's sleep? Please WhatsApp us 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio 613 in the morning. We're heading into some messages and when we come back, we'll take a look at the skills we need in the workplace today. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9, that's Elton John with Rocket Man. You're listening to The Morning Run, 6.19am on Thursday, the 29th of September. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Chong Jensen and Wang Xiaoning. Now, earlier we were talking about sleeping habits and how to get a good night's sleep. We do have a WhatsApp message from Lynette. What, what did she say, Xiaoning? Uh, she said that her motivation to get back to get better sleep habits is because she has high blood pressure. Otherwise, she suffers from brain fog, belly flat, fat. Oh, this one I need to rectify. And sluggishness due to years of sleep deficit. So sleep and exercise is putting back on the road to better health. I think that's key. Yeah, all of us should get plenty of rest. And it's never too late to get started on good sleeping habits. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts, Lynette. We are turning now to the next story on our docket. Now, once upon a time, putting your computer skills in the CV was a plus point, you know, proficient at Microsoft Word, Excel and PowerPoint. That was that used to be seen as, oh, you know, that that's somebody with a, with a one up against everyone else. Now you need like a long, 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 long list. It's more than that, right? I mean, not only that, you put that on, you're going to be laughed at because <laughs> the expectation now is that everyone should know their way around these programs. These programs have become pretty basic and mainstream. Um, and in fact, like you said, Xiaoning, knowing that isn't enough anymore. Digital literacy now encompasses being able to navigate an entire ecosystem of digital software, whether it's on your computer or smartphone. So, Jensen, why don't you walk us through this story? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Shazana, digital literacy has definitely evolved significantly from just using a Word document, sending email. Um, Where I actually resonated with this article is that in the modern workplace now, including BFM, there's a greater expectation for employees to nimbly adopt whatever technology comes with the job think Adobe Edition. So for me, I'm still transitioning in my lit- digital literacy journey at BFM, getting used to new apps as well as how to edit clips. But the sad reality is if workers who stand still and don't acquire these new technologies, they definitely are going to get left behind and it, it will be increasingly more difficult to get employed. Yeah, so I think the key here is to maintain a level of upskilling. Be aware of the technological uh, advances out there. And um, don't be afraid to embrace it. It's, it is a challenge. I, I get you, Jensen, because when I joined BFM, what, three and a half, three, well, slightly more than three years ago, I also was bam, bamboozled. Is that the right word? Because I came from the world where we just used a lot of Microsoft uh, programs. And then I came here and everything was Google this, Google that. And then there was Audition, which is how we edit stuff at BFM. Um, and I just almost couldn't keep up because for 20 years, that's all I use, Microsoft. And I realized, hey, a lot of startups, smaller companies don't use such programs. And I was like, come on, Shining, get with the program. And it wasn't, the transition wasn't automatic. But young people, I noticed, seem to embrace it so much faster. And I wonder whether it's just the brain. So I don't know. How do we get faster and smarter at using technology? I feel like a part of it is also how this technology was introduced in our lives. Yeah. So we came from a generation where these kinds of technologies we were pretty we were we were of a we were of an older age when we were first introduced to it. Whereas uh, the younger generation now, the people entering the workforce now, they're digital natives. They mm. were two years old and were already watching YouTube, for example. So um, I feel like as the younger you are being introduced to this, the more normal it is, the more easier it may be for you to pick up all the different um, new apps or new software that's being introduced. But at the same time, I'm sure further down the line, uh, the current generation will also be seeing a new 
uh, technology advances that they'll have to struggle to keep up with. I think that's just part of um, how humans evolve. Um, but at the same time, it's something that employers need to be aware of, especially if they're looking to uh, uh, hire people from uh, older generations. You know, we're talking about the silver fox generation. How do we keep people uh, more productive for longer mm. and with uh, you know longer life expectancies? I think these are all issues that um, uh, businesses need to grapple with and address. Yeah, not so easy. Uh, so how best to achieve that, Jensen, in the last few weeks? Has it been a challenge for you? Have you had to try? Just get going with it? Is that the best way? It has way? been a challenge, but um, I have very nice colleagues. I texted um, Mo yesterday when I was trying to edit my clips and she gave me a, a tutorial via WhatsApp how to do it. And she's, she promised to help me later too. <laughs> Mo is going to keep her promise later, right? Yeah, but Mo, of course, is our producer, the youngest one on our team. And I think is an, she embraced audition very, very fast, right? And is very good at it. So like your point, Shazana, certain people just get it very quickly. So how do we then encourage people to not be afraid mm. of technology? In a way, I think the pandemic has encouraged more people to take up technology because mm. video calling became the norm. You had to you had to use this if you wanted to maintain connection with other people. You so, need it to work, foot stop, right? Exactly. So in a way, I do think that has accelerated um, people embracing technology and just digital communication. Um, but yeah, I, I guess being once you open your minds to the possibilities of what you can do, I think then people become a lot more receptive uh, to this kind of change. Okay. But change is always hard. Yeah, change is not easy to embrace. But just take that first step. And a tip, if you don't know what to do, there's this app, well, there's this tool you can use and it's called YouTube. There usually is a lot of advice on YouTube. That is right. As long as you can master YouTube, you can probably master anything that you see on YouTube as well. Tell us what you think, what kind of digital skills are absolutely necessary in the workplace today. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We're coming up to 6.26 in the morning. We're heading into the 6.30 a.m. news bulletin. We'll come back with a look at global headlines after that, here's Rock and Roll is King by the Electric Light Orchestra to take you to the news. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was Sugar Ray with Every Morning. It is 6.39 in the morning on Thursday, the 29th of September. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Chong Jensen and Wong Xiaoning. Now it's that time of morning where we take a look at what's making headlines from around the world. Who'd like to start us off with the top stories that caught their eye? Yeah, I have something on the Russian and Ukraine war. Um, there's an article which says that the US and Europe are running out of weapons to send to Ukraine. And NATO Secretary General he has held a special meeting of Alliance Arms Directors to discuss ways to refill members' nations' weapons stockpiles. And the US has been by far the largest supply of military aid to Ukraine, providing some $15.2 billion since the war began in February. Um, I thought... What was quite interesting is that um, apparently in the weapons industry, the normal production level for artillery rounds for 155 millimeter howitzer, which is a long-range heavy artillery weapon, uh, it's about 30,000 rounds per year in peacetime. But now Ukraine soldiers are finishing it in roughly two weeks. Wow. Tells you about the intensity of the... Uh uh, war intensity of the fighting there, and yeah. don't forget that the uh, Ukrainian forces have been doing a lot of lightning strike offenses, mm. which has led to them being able to regain ground that was lost in parts of Ukraine. But if we look um, at what's happening with regard to the referendums that uh, Russia is having in parts of Ukraine to see whether uh, uh, whether people there want to uh, be part of Russia or be part of Ukraine, well, let me guess the result, Shaz. 
I'm sure they voted overwhelmingly to be part of Russia. Pretty much so. That what That's what the results say. And um, the EU has said that they are looking at sanctions against Russia because of these sham referendums, as they call it. Uh, the latest measures would look to ban Russian exports worth 7 billion US dollars and tighten restrictions on goods flowing from the EU that could help Russia's war machine. So more sanctions on Russia. But again, we're, the question is, when will we actually see an impact? Because so far, Russia has been pretty intransigent on its position. Yeah. Uh, shifting the conversation back closer to home and somewhat related to us, actually, even though it's international news. Uh, this is being reported in the Singapore Straits Times. So it's about Cambodia. So their Prime Minister, Hun Sen, has ordered a crackdown on illegal gambling on September 17. Uh, and so there were. It, it showed that there were a growing number of foreign nationals who were being lured by criminal syndicates into Cambodia and Myanmar where they were held captive and forced to run online scams. And unsurprisingly, there were Malaysians who were also uh, held against their will. So they were from Bangladesh, China, Taiwan, India, Indonesia, Laos, like I say, Malaysia, Myanmar, Vietnam, and even Russian nationals there. And just last week, we spoke to Adrian Pereira of the North-South Initiative. Um, we asked him about these, these, this trend of people getting tricked into traveling overseas and somehow finding themselves in situations where they're forced to, where they're detained against their will and forced to do these online scams. Um, this is not a new phenomena, as he said, uh, but it is seen to be picking up in recent in the recent year yeah, or so. so. Very much so. I, I think it is important that um, all the countries work together in ASEAN um, to find a way to stem these criminal uh, syndicates for sure. Yeah, but the question is, will these syndicates then just move on from Cambodia? And the Singapore Straits Times article says they might move to Myanmar. So it, it really requires uh, inter-ASEAN cooperation to really clamp down on these. Uh, if you ask me, like what uh, Adrian Pereira said, human trafficking is more than job scams. Indeed. I think we should define it properly. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, other headlines, I think most um, international media is looking at Hurricane Ian that has made landfall near Fort Myers, Florida. This is set to become one of the strongest storms on record to hit America's mainland. Uh, more than 800,000 people are already without power. This uh, hurricane also affected Cuba um, and it's really moving up the um, coast of the US down there. I learned something, well, I, I, I learned something new this morning. A hurricane and a typhoon are essentially the same thing, uh, just that they occur in different parts of the world. So typhoon is what we use in our region, mm. uh, and hurricane applies to that region. It has to do with the locations of the oceans and stuff. But you know, now I know. I wasn't. I, I did it before. Neither did I. Fun Which fact. one is stronger? They're both the same. They right. have the same just systems. Yeah, exactly. There's, the strength really relies on the circum the weather circumstances of the time. Yeah. Okay, uh, I've got something from the Financial Times and it's related to the protests going on in Iran. So the Financial Times reports that Iran's morality police have disappeared from the streets after dozens have been killed in protests because the protests seem to be gaining strength, not just in Tehran, which is in the capital, but in some other cities. And I think more than 40 over individuals have been killed uh, during these protests and it seems to be gaining strength. And actually, maybe at 7.30, we are going to talk to James Dorsey, right, about the the reign of, so, of Mohammed bin Salman. But I'm going to ask him a side question about whether what's happening in Iran is this a, a precursor to bigger things or and are the protests actually are there underlying reasons as to why it is gaining strength among the Iranians 
We'll have this later on in the show. It is 6.45 in the morning. We're heading into some messages. And when we come back, we'll take a look at what, at what is making headlines in our local newspapers and portals. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was Betty Lovett, living life on a shoestring, something I'm sure that many of us are feeling as inflation rises. We're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong, Chong Jensen. I was going to call you Chong Sin for a while there, Jensen. Chong Twisters. <laughs> it is 6.49 in the morning on Thursday, the 29th of September. We're taking a look at what's making headlines in our local newspapers and portals. Jensen, what's caught your eye? Yeah, something about uh, renewable energy. And Tanaga has said that it expects the green electricity tariff quota to increase and be awarded on a yearly basis next year in 2023. And this is due to high demand this year, during which the quota was fulfilled in just a few months. So all quotas which are generated through hydro and large-scale solar, or LSS, have been fully taken up by mid-March and it was launched in January. So just in the span of two to three months, uh, it has been taken up. So it looks like there is really a gradual or quite a, a substantial shift to uh, renewable energy. Oh, okay, mm. that's positive news on that front. What about you, Xiaoning? What's caught your eye? I've got two COVID-related stories, one of which is that the health ministry is going to drop mask requirement on planes effectively, uh, but it is, however, still encouraging those with symptoms of COVID-19 as well as high-risk groups uh, to actually continue wearing them. That's one. The second one is not so positive in that our life expectancy formulations have actually declined. It is now average of 73.4 years, slightly down from 74.5 years for those born last year. And this is partially because of the excess deaths caused by the co- uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Still a pretty lengthy life, though, <laughs> despite losing a couple of years off that. But this is something that uh, we'll uh, need to monitor. In mm. any case, we are expected to live longer uh, longer for longer. Am I saying that right? Longer and hopefully better lives. That's right. We but the main live- thing is, because we are the morning run, we have to talk about whether you're prepared for retirement. <laughs> and that is actually the front page of the Sinar Harian. The headline is Miskin Selepas Bursaro. And I think everyone is really uh, looking at the issue of whether we have enough to retire on, especially on the back of news um, from EPF that says that we may need up to a million or more to be yes. able to retire comfortably. Um, and then also just... Uh, whether we have the, the whether we have retirement savings is the big question of the moment. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully budget twenty twenty three addresses some of this in terms of improving the social protection. But I think at the end of the day, when it comes to retirement, we do have to consider uh, what we need to do for ourselves and not just always rely on the state. That's the reality of it. Yeah, I think everyone has different um, set, sets of requirements of what it takes to retire. How much do you need to have? Mm-hmm. But. I think EPF did say that at the very least, you should have at least a million in your account by the time you retire. But I think with inflation and rising cost of living and food prices, it appears to be uh, a little on the uh, modest side. <laughs> Probably in 20 to 30 years' time, right, if yeah. you're retiring. 
Uh, I've got some other interesting news coming out of Malaysia, Kini. I think it's also being reported in the Straits Times front page and it's actually from Banama. Uh, it's about our Dewan Rakyat speaker, Azhat uh, Ad Harun, which is what I always call him. Now, he, he basically defended his time as speaker saying that the rulings that he made was in accordance with the parliamentary meeting procedures that is based on the federal constitution. And he says that he's never been influenced. But what I found interesting was when he was asked whether he believes that it would be better for the date of the general election to be set, making it easier for all parties, which in other words means a fixed term, he actually said that during the time when he was EC chairman, he actually agreed. Because he said with no fixed system, an election can be suddenly called for. So, you know, in other words, if you have a fixed system, then you can be better prepared. So it looks like hmm, even he's in agreement. Yeah, this is something that uh, many parliamentary reform um, uh, experts have been, something they have been calling for. And it does make sense, especially given the anxiety that the current will they, won't they GE15 yeah. date is causing us right now. It, it does make a lot of sense to have a firm date so that a lot of us can plan for our lives. Yes, we can take leave. We can go on vacation, especially for the media. But even for the uh, election commission, right? So they can start doing things like choosing schools for polling centres, renting halls, uh, training the election workers, ordering supplies and so on. Hey, maybe the budget of one billion might even be less if you knew exactly when elections is going to take place. But again, who wants to give up the political power of being able to call for elections as and when they please? That's really the big question. Uh, Looking to something that I found very interesting and very positive, uh, the Ministry of Health is looking to prepare a new draft on abolishing the law criminalizing suicide. And I think this is a fantastic move, a long time in coming. Um, Kairi Jamaluddin, the uh, health minister, said that the ministry has received a report of the study conducted by the Attorney General's chambers regarding this issue and that they will be drafting a a cabinet paper and a law, hopefully, uh, that will be tabled not too far in the future. All right, we're coming up to 6.55 in the morning. Uh, We're heading into the 7 a.m. News Bulletin. And when we come back, we'll take a look at how global markets closed overnight. Taking you to the news is Sunflower Bean with Moment in the Sun, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.